Shameless Media. No matter who you are, where you live, what you do for work, how rich or broke you might be, you're carrying around a secret. We all are. And this show, well, it's all about spilling them. Welcome to Everybody Has a Secret. My name is Annabelle Lee. I'm your host and ultimate secret sharer. Joining me today in the co-host chair is the very funny Louis Hanson. Hello! Annabelle! Hi, humans out there. Hi. How are you? Thank you for having me. Oh, my pleasure. Now, Louis, in our last episode together, you elevator pitched yourself to the listeners. For those who didn't catch that exquisite elevator pitch, let me quickly recap. You are a writer, presenter, columnist, podcaster, and content creator. I must say, just while we're here, some of my favorite content from you is your like behind the scenes <laughs> musicless stuff where you just <laughs> It's it's incredible. It's become one of my favorite things to post now. It's almost like we're unveiling the facade of the edits and you know yeah. the the music to make it look fun. But like in reality, when I record, I live by myself. I'm so awkward. I usually record in silence, <laughs> and you know my neighbors always look in and just go, "What the fuck are you doing?" What? So I just thought that'd be fun to post, and I think people resonate with just how awkward shit is all the time. Yeah. I- you don't have to answer this, but do you now, when you film yourself, think about the potential funny behind-the-scenes snippets that you could be getting? Yes, 100%. <laughs> it, it hasn't changed the way I film, in uh-huh. a sense, because like it will always involve that awkwardness. But I think now, while I'm recording, I just think, oh, yeah, this has the potential just to be so fucking awkward. Milk of the silence. Yeah. <laughs> Louis, last time I asked you to bring to the table a secret, I'm going to ask you for another. What have you prepared for me today? This one's a really tough one to admit. So, fact number one mm. is that I, I'm celiac. Oh, no, you're, you live a breadless life. Gluten is the devil. And my followers know this. And they really appreciate me advocating for the celiac community. I'm really trying to get on the cover of the Celiac Australia magazine. I um, have faith. If you're listening to Celiac Australia, you've ignored my messages about 47 times. Anyway. <laughs> No hard feelings. Save that for another conversation. (laughs) It's also a fact that I'm a sweet tooth. I can't help it. I see sugar. I'm eating it. Sugar in all forms. So a couple weeks back, it was Celiac Awareness Week. Very important week for the celiac community. I also got gifted this beautiful moose cake. Ooh. So glutinous. Oh, (laughs) the glutinous crust. And it was almost like in that moment, I had the angel and the devil on my shoulder. Were they mini U's? I'm picturing like yes. <laughs> little versions of Louis. <laughs> it was you literally will probably throw up uh, <laughs> from having this gluten versus that shit looks so fucking good. It's going to be tasty. So I take to my stories and I say, I got gifted this beautiful moose cake. I won't be eating it though. Obviously I'm allergic to gluten. And then I feel my boyfriend eating it. Uh-huh. My confession is when the camera's cut, I ate that shit like it was nobody's business. I went behind my followers' backs and I said, get that gluten inside of me. And I, to this day, I genuinely feel guilty because I know 
then my followers would cancel me for that. They said, you lied to us. You said you wouldn't eat the cake. You know who else is going to cancel you? Fucking Celiac Australia. They're not going to get you on board after this. Ah, ah. No, you're right. You're right. Okay, I take it back. <laughs> new secret, new secret. Actually, no. No, today we are owning our secrets. Yeah, no. I'm sorry, I ate the gluten cake. I think Celiac Australia would appreciate your candor. And so do I. Thank well, you. You know what? And I'm only human. You and are. I'm sure every single other person on that cover has eaten gluten at some point in the past two years. That's what I'm saying. That's, that's all. That's it. That's it. I'm lactose intolerant and I frequently dabble in dairy. <laughs> See, it's we like, can't help it. I? I wanted to bring to the table my own secret to share with you because I, <clears throat> I gather that I don't do it often and I'm like, it's only fair that I also share one. Mine is like not huge, but I want to know your thoughts on this. Have you ever been on dating apps? I have. Yeah. I have known to frequent a dating app, especially, you know, around the devil's hour, which is like 2 to 3 a.m. on a Saturday morning. <laughs> After no, you've gotten home? Yes. From a night out? Yes. Yep, I'm familiar. <laughs> My secret that I realised last night when I was on the app, I was on Hinge, and I realised that I do this thing that I've never told anyone, and I'm not sure if other people do this, but you know when someone messages in like little incremental messages, so they don't message in a paragraph, they don't send like a short one, they just do like, blah, 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 all in separate messages. <laughs> I'm explaining this brilliantly. No, no, no. We're here. We're here with you on the journey. Absolutely. I realise that when someone does that to me, I want to respond in the same way, but I want to put all my thoughts down before I send. So I go into my notes app and I draft and then I cut and paste. Do you do that? Does anyone do that or is that just me? I definitely have done that. Absolutely. I don't think think that is an isolated experience. Mm -hmm. And also, fair enough, especially when you're first talking to someone, you want to put your best foot forward. Yeah, I'm courting. I'm I'm getting serious. Exactly. You want to make sure grammar's on point. You want to make sure that it's light, it's bubbly. You can show your intelligence. So I think that is... Would you say for all conversations? No, it just depends on how they text. I'd like to match the way. Maybe I'm a bit of a pushover. Like maybe I should just text the way I text. I don't do it with my friends. I just realised it was just a dating app thing because I maybe am a bit nervy. Maybe that's what it is. Fair enough. Yeah. And you know, sometimes it makes me really panicked when someone like on a dating app would would send messages in that way and each kind of line was like another topic, another question. I'm like, hello, is this a job interview? No. Can we tackle one issue at a time? Yeah. Why are you asking me 35 questions at once? It's also so overwhelming. I know we're so off topic, but one more thing. This is why I fucking <laughs> hate dating apps because it's overwhelming and it makes me not want to use them. And that is that, Louis. Let's get back to secrets. Let's get back secrets, on topic. Secrets, secrets, secrets. Every episode, Louis, we open a letter from one of the listeners. Each letter will reveal that person's deepest, darkest secret. A secret that they've never told anybody. Okay, so I've just been handed my envelope. Yeah, so today's secret is from Grace. So let's open the letter, which our producer Justine will narrate for everybody listening. I want to tell you a bit about my boyfriend of six years, Nick. He is one of the funniest and kindest people I know. He loves his family deeply and loves my family like they're his own. I've always been attracted to guys who are sensitive, so I was pretty stoked when I realised early on that he is the kind of guy who wears his heart on his sleeve. I could tell you so many wonderful things about our relationship over the last six years. But honestly, the best part about being by his side is that we never have to do much together to have a good time. Give me a long, mundane car trip with him and I'm sorted. Mm. So yeah, that's Nick and that's us. And for the most part, we are truly happy together. End of episode. (laughs) About three months into our relationship... I was lamenting to his mum and sister one evening that Nick was stalling on booking some flights for our upcoming overseas trip. 
I was desperate to book and couldn't understand why he kept delaying me. His mum and sister were originally a little evasive about it all, before eventually mentioning that, at the age of just 21, he was carrying around a bunch of debt from gambling. Initially, I didn't quite believe them. Yeah, I thought, I guess we go to the pub pretty often and he does put a bet or two down when we're there, but doesn't everyone? A few days later, when we were lying in bed, Nick finally opened up to me about his serious gambling addiction. Since then, our relationship has been a roller coaster of highs and lows as he's battled his addiction in secret. Socially, I'm his rescuer. If we are out with friends and he heads to the bar to buy a drink, he will often text me, asking if I can transfer him some money. There have been other times when I have handed my bank card to him under the table so it looks like he is paying for things. I also get messages sometimes when, halfway through a workday, he realises he doesn't have any money to buy lunch. I guess it feels like I'm in a tug of war all the time. One minute I'm like, I absolutely have to leave. I'm in my 30s now, and I need to think about my future. I find myself comparing my relationship to the ones around me and yearn for a time when my boyfriend can just shout me something as small as a coffee. But then I remember that gambling addiction is a disease, and he isn't choosing this. He doesn't want this life either. Carrying the secret feels heavy. I've told my mum, dad, and one friend. My best friend doesn't know because I get the sense she will be a little black and white about it all and tell me to leave. She doesn't understand addiction, so she won't understand Nick in all his complexity. At the moment, he is about to start recovery again after relapsing, and I find myself constantly wondering, is this what life is always going to be like? Do I even have the right to want to tell more people about this to ease the load? Is this my secret to share? Oh, man, that is a lot. Wow. It is a very tricky situation, and I want to hear... Your initial thoughts on this because I think my gut reaction is maybe not the one that I hope for or want necessarily and I think maybe through unpacking this secret this letter throughout this episode maybe I'll change my mind but my gut is just telling me that like oh Grace I think that you deserve better in a relationship and I know that's not the easiest thing to hear because a gambling addiction is so so serious and so damaging for the person who's going through it and I really do sympathize with Nick and I oh god it's just impossible to think about what he's going through and what Grace is going through. And I'm just like, this sounds like a sad relationship or there's a really, really big sad aspect of this relationship that I don't know how Mm. to give advice on this really. What do you think? It's so hard. I think my, honestly, like right now, initially reading this, just trying to absorb it, I feel really on the fence. So that's why I think I'm excited to just unpack this with you because we'd love to just give her some, you know, proactive advice at the end of this episode I don't know what that is yet. Yeah, but we'll get there. I know. I have faith that we will. Just listening to that, I mean, I really feel for both of them. I obviously, I really feel for Grace, especially, you know, as she's saying, she's in her 30s now and she would just like her partner to be able to buy her one coffee. You hear that and you're like, that is the bare minimum, I yeah, guess. Yeah, that bit was really heartbreaking to me as well. It really broke my heart because you, Grace, obviously just deserves to feel that security that obviously she's not getting. On the other hand, as Grace is saying, this is a real disease. This is addiction. And she's saying that in a lot of ways, you know, Nick is starting recovery again, implying that he is making, you know, actively seeking to better himself. And he's open, it sounds like, with his mother and his sister. And later down the line, he opened up to Grace. So I think that's amazing. 
And so my immediate reaction is just like, oh, it's a really shitty situation for him as well. Yeah. I think one would be so quick to just be like, fuck him, move on. You deserve more. And obviously I don't know Nick's circumstances 100%, but I'm just, I feel as though to have this shame around gambling, particularly I feel in a lot of situations with blokes. And I say blokes because I just like, I don't feel like a bloke, but I feel like, (laughs) you know, sometimes you see these blokes who are gambling and these issues arise, but they have such issue and shame around communicating this addiction because it requires a vulnerability that maybe they feel like they are not allowed. Yeah. I really do feel for him because it must be really fucking hard. And by all other accounts, she's saying in this letter, she loves him and they are beautiful together and he treats her well. Yeah. And that they have this bond. Oh, I don't know. And that's, it's also a big part of their life. I guess in your 30s, finances are really important. I don't know. What do you if think? If she wants to be thinking about her future, for sure. Louis, I feel the exact same way as you. I, too, am in a million minds about this. But before we get there, before we get to the nitty gritty, let's hear a word from today's sponsor. Louis, a few weeks ago, as always, I was sent to universities to ask Aussies whether or not addiction is a deal breaker for them. Let's hear from them now. I have been very close to addiction my whole life, so I don't think I could go through it again. I just think it's been too close to home too many times and it's not something, yeah, I want to surround myself with again. My girlfriend's addicted to coffee. What about the more hardcore (laughs) hardcore stuff? I don't think so. I mean, I think it would depend, like, where I was in the relationship, how else we connected on other things. I've got close friends who have gone through addiction and come out the other side, so... No, for me, it's not a deal breaker. No, no, for me. Why is that? Everyone has their own struggles, so if you're going to love them through it, then that's the main thing, I guess. It depends on what kind of addiction. Gambling is definitely a deal breaker. I've experienced it with like my brother and my dad, and if I was to have someone in a relationship do that, I'd definitely be cautious and sort of segues into consistent lying. It doesn't just affect that person, it affects everyone around them. No, I don't think it's a deal breaker. But I think if, like, maybe beyond help, you know, I'd start to question the integrity of the relationship, but I don't think it's a deal-breaker, nah. It depends how bad the addiction is, because there's always a way to help. If it's something that they are trying to get help for, then it's not a deal-breaker for me. I think, for me, if you are really close to the person or, say, the addiction starts, like, in the relationship, you have to be that support person if you can. If that's someone that you love and you sort of saw a future with, that's okay. But I think for me personally, I don't think I'd be able to stay with someone that did have an addiction. It does depend on the sub. Is it substance or is it like your phone or something? Yeah. yeah. There's different degrees of addiction as well. What about gambling? Oh, um, yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, yeah. I think if it was really bad, definitely. Like, yeah. you, can, you can start off being like going to the pub with the boys. And it happened to my friend and he like owed her... $20,000. See, fuck that. I'm not um, doing that. He would, like, progressively just trying to take money out of her account. It was bad. So I wanted to play those responses now because this is a tricky, tricky situation, a tricky secret to grapple with. And I feel like it's maybe important to hear from people who have been touched by addiction in their lives because I haven't. I think that's why I find it so hard because I don't know what yeah, it's like. Neither. Yeah. So I think it's really interesting to hear from people who have said 
that they have close loved ones in their life that have gone through that stuff. And I also find it interesting that a lot of those people that said that they have experienced loved ones going through addiction, how they said that it is a deal breaker for them because they've gone through it and they know what kind of emotional labor goes into that and what kind of pain is involved in that kind of relationship. And then that you also heard responses that were so lovely being like, oh, I'd support my loved one through anything. A lot of those people hadn't been through that experience with their loved ones. And I think that's really telling maybe of how hard it would be to be in a relationship with someone going through addiction. I want to know, is a gambling addiction a deal breaker for you? It's a big question. It is a big question. I'm really trying to put myself in Grace's shoes. And I think initially, I don't think it would be a deal breaker or like any addiction for that matter wouldn't be a deal breaker. I think for me it would be, I guess, the aftermath of them telling me and how proactive they were into fixing that addiction. Because we hear the cliche, you can't help somebody who doesn't want to help themselves. Yeah. And I think there is real truth to that. And so I think for me, I would stay around if I saw that my partner was making active and conscious steps to better themselves and to change. It's hard because I think... From Grace's submission, he had this debt at 21 and now she's in her 30s. Is he in her 30s as well? Does this mean that this has been going on for 10 years? I'm going to assume so. So I feel the same when there is maybe more promising aspects of them wanting to recover. Like my gut's telling me I would stick around and help them through that if there's a light at the end of the tunnel. But if it's been going on for so long... 10 years. It's a long time. And she's trying to think about the future. I just don't know. I want to read some stats for you that our producers have given me just to give you a bit of context. So in 2018 to 2019, almost 1% of Victorians, so 36,000 people self-identified as experiencing problem gambling. So that's the kind that disrupts multiple facets of someone's life. And also men are far more likely to both dabble in and become addicted to gambling, specifically young men. And I want to talk about maybe the latter stat there, the fact that you touched on it before, that men are maybe more likely to gamble and also more likely to have that stigma of talking about it. I want to know what you think it is about young men that make them more susceptible to gambling. It's so tough, isn't it? I think there is just this masculine culture surrounding like money and gambling and uh, like- Risk-taking. Risk-taking. It just takes me back to- a TikTok that I saw maybe like a couple months ago. It's bad me. I forgot what his handle was, but I would say he was in his early 20s, maybe even late teens. And he was kind of just really transparent about his current gambling addiction and how, how hard it was and how hard it was for him to open up because it wouldn't be the type of conversation that you would have with your mates. And that was really eye-opening for me to just see the pain that he was going through. I don't know. Do you think that they're in terms of why more men gamble? I'm just trying to I'm just trying to unpack it in my mind. Do you think it's because these are environments where like, you know, mates would go to like have a bit of fun and then it escalates? Yeah, I think that there would be an element of feeding off each other. In the letter she was saying, "Oh, we yeah, we go to the pub and we like place bets." I also am just very unfamiliar with that world. I don't really gamble. I don't think I actually ever have. But I imagine that there is maybe this like boys mentality of like, oh, you're going to place that. I'm going to place more. <laughs> is yeah. that how it works? I just, yeah. I think Lots of ego, be. I feel. Yeah. I'm the same. But I feel like in these gambling environments, it's often, yeah, a very blokey masculine fueled space. 
Which um, makes it hard if you're in a relationship with someone who you maybe share finances with. I'm not sure if Grace and Nick share their finances. But yeah, when you're in a relationship, you've got to think about how your spending affects the other person. And that kind of financial instability, I really feel for with Grace. Mm. Our producers have just given us some stats that are very, very illuminating. So Australians are the biggest gamblers on earth. We lose more than $24 billion a year. What are your thoughts on that? Why is it do you think that Australians are the ones that gamble the most in the world? I just, I want to feel surprised by those stats, but for some reason I'm just not. not. I'm not surprised because even though in my immediate family I haven't been touched by much gambling, I can still see the way that gambling is so ingrained into our makeup, like growing up and socialising. Like especially it's a I guess it's a good point to touch on with boys and with men because in a lot of instances we're taught that we can't connect especially I want to say between straight men like straight men can't communicate with each other emotionally they are taught to bond through sports and you know activities you know even from like primary school it would just be like boys kicking footy together and like not really speaking <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah. And we're taught that there's this emotional barrier in between straight men where they feel like they can't be so emotional and vulnerable to each other. So that naturally leads towards sports. And obviously it's not enough maybe to just enjoy the sports. There has to be these higher stakes. So you just see the way that gambling trickles in, especially in straight men culture, Because in a lot of instances, that's just the way it's been normalized as a way that they bond with each other, be it boys at the races, a few champagnes, a few bets, whether it be TAB, whether it be, I don't know, there's all these apps popping up now. Yeah, bet with mates is such a thing now. Like you can barely turn on your TV or your radio without being bombarded with this messaging. But yeah, it's just quite concerning that Australia is the number one gambling country in the world. Mm. It baffles me. I'm touching on what you said. It's become normalised in this patriarchal society as a form of bonding, a really common form of bonding in Australia. So I guess in that instance, you kind of see how easy it is for gambling to trickle into social lives and that is the gateway for things to spiral, you know, it's all fun and games and until it's not, yeah. you know? But where do you draw that line? Exactly. How can you? Louis, the one thing I can't stop thinking about is the dollar figure, like attached to his gambling addiction. If I was this listener, I would 100% want to know exactly what he spent. I would need to know 100%. I was going to ask you, yeah. I would need to know 100% down to the penny and the (laughs) cent. And what would you do with that information? Because I'm like, I would want to know too. I would want to like take control of the finances. Does that make me like a controlling (laughs) girlfriend? I would be like, how can we find a solution? Like how can we get you away from the money maybe so it doesn't even have to be like a temptation for you? Completely. I think that – because. At the beginning, I was thinking, you know what, like, it's his money, he can do what he wants. But if we're talking about serious addiction and the fact that this is impacting their lives, as a partner, I would love to know, okay, let's talk about the extent to how much money you've lost. Because I feel like I need to know just to help you to understand the gravity of the situation. Yeah. But especially if I was in my 30s and I've been with my partner for over a decade and, I don't know, we're thinking about maybe buying a house. We're talking mortgages. Are we going to have children? We need to be really 
establishing funds for our future, right? And so in that instance, it would directly impact me if money was being spent in excess. I wonder if Grace actually knows the amount though, because I don't think it was said in the letter, but it's like, if you spend that many years in a relationship together, you're entering your 30s, surely you've A, had a discussion about what your future looks like if you want to have kids. It seems like she might want that. But yeah, the fact that he can't pay for himself in social situations would be a warning belt for me. And it would be like, I want to know exactly how much you're spending if you can't mm. even spend money on a coffee. Question for you. Yes. You're in Grace's situation. Mm-hmm. You see that he's obviously struggling and like maybe being completely transparent with you about trying to be active about seeking help, but, you know, relapsing and, and spending money. 10 years pass, at what point do you just go enough is enough or do you? So at what point would I give up essentially? Mm. Oh, that's really hard because I think it's great that he's being honest and it's great that he's trying to get help and they're two really important things. They're the most important things in this situation that I would ask for and if he's delivering, then yes, I would stay for those 10 years But then again, I am reticent to tell this listener to stay with Nick if she does feel like she is his mother or like in a caregiving role or even like a financial planner role. If I was in this listener's position, I would really need to assess whether I feel like I am a best friend, a soulmate, or if I feel like a mother. Mm. I would maybe need the people in my life to tell it to me straight. I just think that if I was in this position, it would be harder to see things clearly or clearer as I am now as someone who is not Grace. Like if I was Grace, I just think it would be so muddy, but I would hope that there would be people around me that would be able to tell me. And I think touching on that, because I think one of the main, you know, questions that Grace had for us was, do I have a right to tell more people? Do I have a right to let people in, even though he, you know, is obviously harboring this shame And I think that she has every right. And I think if anything, it would do nothing but good for her to let everyone in her life know and for Nick to let everyone in his life know. Because I feel like when it comes to addiction, shame, it plays a huge role in that. Yeah. And in feeling like you are harboring a secret from like your mates, for example, I feel like that shame in a lot of ways has like a cyclical nature where, you know, the more secretive you feel, the more shameful you feel, the more you you may dabble in addiction. So transparency, I feel like is key and they should be letting everyone in their lives know. I feel like they would establish a great network to really a support Nick, but also be there for grace because No matter the outcome, you shouldn't feel like, and no matter whether you're Nick or Grace, you shouldn't feel like you're battling this alone or as a couple. You should feel like you have everyone around you for support. Yeah, totally. Lean on the people around you. And I don't think we talk enough about the people that mental illness affects, the loved ones, the family, the friends. Grace described this gambling addiction as a mental illness and it's exactly that. And it also means that her well-being is just as important. So if that means talking to the people around her, telling them Nick's secret, it's also her secret, I guess, Mm -hmm. then I think she should go for it. I think that is definitely the healthiest thing to do. I think so too. And if Nick is feeling like he cannot be vocal about this with his mates of over a decade, Nick, you need to evaluate who you consider 
friends. Yeah, exactly. You need to consider the socials that you walk in. I think transparency is key because at the end of the day for Grace as well, if she's able to tell more people, that's more perspective from people who really know Grace and know the situation better than we do. So first steps, I feel like you shouldn't feel shame in being more open about it with everyone in your life. Yeah. I feel like nothing but good can come from that. Exactly. What, what do you think? I agree. I love this first steps thing you're going for. I'm it's, a proactive, it. I love I'm a proactive it. girly. That's, that's we need to think great. about mini, like yeah. achievable first steps. And I just think communication with a wider circle of people who can give you more perspective is the first step. Yeah. And if she's saying that her love that she shares with Nick is so strong and she's like kind of worried and scared to let that go, maybe don't for now and just talk to the people around you. Get, get more perspective. Strengthen that network and like try and help each other through it. It is really tough. And help Nick be there for him, be supportive and also pull him up a bit when he needs to. Louis, thank you for joining me. That is all we have time for for today's episode of Everybody Has a Secret. You've been great. I loved it. I love you. I love you. Sorry, is it too soon? (laughs) No, never too soon. I have loved this and I think this is such a great show. These conversations are so important and I just love the idea of feeling as though you know, we can unpack these secrets. And Dad always said, a problem shared is a problem halved. Oh, Dad, we're going to take that for our motto for this show. (laughs) Yeah, and I think that it really relates to this podcast as well. So thanks for having me. Oh, thank you for joining me. And as always, to the listeners, we love you too. Thank you for listening. If you have a secret you're itching to spill, write us a letter and mail it to our PO box. You'll find all the details in the show notes. If you don't like the old school system, the old school mail system, Feel free to email your secret to us at hotline at shamelessmediaco.com. Everything we read will, of course, be kept totally anonymous. As for socials, you can find us on Instagram at Everybody Has a Secret Pod and on TikTok at Everybody Has a Secret. See you next Friday. This podcast was recorded on Wurundjeri land. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Hello guys, Mish here. I am the co-founder of Shameless Media. Thank you so much for giving us your ears and your mind and your time. We're so grateful. If you enjoy the stuff that we produce, may I recommend our brand new podcast, Style-ish. Stylish, if you want to say it quickly. Style-ish, if you want to take the long way through It is our podcast for all things fashion, brand, business, and beauty. If that is in your wheelhouse, if you care about style content, you will love this show. It is, of course, more than just a show as well. It is a newsletter. It is an Instagram feed. It is a TikTok account. There is so much good stuff going out on Stylish every single day starting now. So in your favorite app, search for style-ish. Give it a listen. Give it a follow. We are an independent media company and we would be so, so grateful for all your support. That's all for me, guys. Check out Stylish and have a good one.